0: Hello and welcome to the monthly comic spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the comics we got this on. We'll start with DC, we'll go over to Marvel, and then we'll cover the other publishers. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll cover general plot points and storylines of the comics we discuss. In this monthly comic spotlight, I'm joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in February 2023. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Now, I got a whopping total of 56 comics over the four weeks of, of February. Only 17 of those were DC, 27 were Marvel, 12 were others. And I'm going to say it was, it was a little bit of a lackluster month. A lot of it was, was solid, but none of it was just wow.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with you there. And we're not far off. I I received fifty eight single issue comics. You no, know, I received some trade paperbacks and, you know, omnibi and stuff, but yeah, we're only two issues apart.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I mean, yes, I've been cutting a little here and there, but I don't think I've really made draconian cuts to get to this level. Me neither.
1: My biggest if you want to call it a cut, but I, I wouldn't consider it a cut, is I kinda of skipped the meat of Sins of Sinister and the, uh, what's the DC one, the Lazarus, Lazarus planet. Yeah, Lazarus pa- Planet. I, I, I got the like kickoff issue and, and you will see, and we'll talk about it shortly. I did go and pick up the Sins of Sinister number one, cause you told me you liked it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I did read that, that came in a shipment this month and I'm picking up the last issue of each one just to kind of get my footing for going forward.
0: Yeah. Kind of see what it ends on and, and how that changes things.
1: Exactly. But other than that,
0: that, that got rid of, uh, you could,
1: probably say six, eight issues. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And probably good ones to get rid of, to be honest. Ah, well, that's
1: good to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we dive into DC? Yeah, let's do that. I'll filter my list now. All right. So wh- what, do you, what do you think of, uh, or, or what stood out to you? I, I had some,
0: some one bad thing that stood out to me. <laughs> well, let's just start with the bad and get those out of the way pretty quickly then.
1: And it's just because it's like right at the beginning of the list. It's Batman 132. For me, I did not like it at all. I hate the alt-world Batman where Batman isn't Batman, and what are we doing here? That's how I felt reading it.
0: I'm finding the Batman in another universe, you know, mildly interesting, but man, it's moving slowly, and then the backup feature of, of Tim's going to go rescue Bruce. Yeah, Interesting, but slow, and we've been down that road before, as I've, I've, as I've said before, and as I will continue to say for as long as these storylines play out. Which may be the next three, four, five, six, eight months. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not overly impressed with this. And again, I've said it before, and I'm probably going to say it again till I finally drop these things. A lot of the anchor books at DC—Batman, Detective, Wonder Woman, and such—are not working as well for me as they should.
1: Yeah, that, that's really unfortunate because, like you said, those are the the pinnacle, to anchor books, the flagships of DC. And I dropped Wonder Woman, Detective. I dropped and Batman. I'm just not enjoying. And it's it's weird. Okay, the the writers on the other two books that I mentioned that I dropped, you know, yeah, that that makes sense. But Zdarsky, when he's on, is usually a good writer, and his Batman just
0: has been lackluster to say the least. Lackluster and ludicrous.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm just like I. I, I I'm starting. It's going so slow that I'm hating this alternative world and this this Batman. What are we What are we doing?
0: I'm pretty sure it was in this Batman where he referenced one of the things from from the the failsafe arc. Yeah. But if I can do that, this is no problem. And I'm like, but you shouldn't have been able to do that. It yep. defies <laughs> the laws of physics.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just not good. I, another one that I didn't like, but it was finishing out, it was just kind of petering out, as I got the last issue of Batman Beyond the White Knight, and I saw that there was another one solicited, like a Beyond, you know, Batman Beyond type thing.
0: Beyonder the White Knight?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm out of that whole universe. It's just, at the beginning, it was really good because it was different, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's just played out now, and it, it, we're just rehashing, and let's create a whole pocket universe, and I'm just not there for it. I'm kind of burnt out.
0: I got it at the beginning. I might have gone on to the second uh, volume or whatever of it, but after that, it's like again, like you said, it was interesting at first, but once that shiny newness wears off, it wasn't enough to to keep me there.
1: Yeah, it really wasn't. I think it was more um, like you said, the newness and seeing the characters in a different light and that lasts for all of maybe six issues and then that wears off and then you start reading it for what it is and you're like, okay, I, I really don't like the characters like this. All right, next.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they've got those six issues to make those characters intrinsically interesting in and of themselves, not just as a you know funhouse mirror reflection on the main characters. Yeah,
1: and I feel like that wasn't done. It, it's just like let's dip back our toes back into this pond and keep rinsing and repeat. And yeah, you're losing me at that point. I'm I'm done. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, what did you like? Because there were a few things I liked. Well, again, nothing really stood out in that A range, but at that, that B plus range, Batman Scooby Doo Mysteries. Okay, cool. This one was interesting because it had Batwoman in the issue. Okay. Uh, which, which I found, you know, great and stuff, but I was amazed that not only did we have the current Batwoman, we had the previous Batwoman and that Batwoman's Batgirl. So the Batwoman and Batgirl of, like, the 70s. Oh, huh, interesting. And they, they gave the backstory, how it connects, all that kind of a stuff. And I mean, it's made me wonder how old that Batman is for all of that stuff to have played out and all of that kind of a thing. But it was a fun story. It hit some nostalgia buttons. And it's told in, in Charlie Fish's kind of Saturday morning style.
1: Very nice. <laughs> and you've been enjoying those ever since they kind of got rid of the series and then rebooted it.
0: Well, really, ever since in one of the early comic spotlights a good couple of years ago when Scooby-Doo Team Up was mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then they focus more on just the Batman family of stuff the last few years. Very good. And you know, the thing I like the most from D
1: C is a book you didn't get, but I I've been harping on it that I like it. And that's oh, I put D C and it's not a DC book. Never mind. That's why I wouldn't image, have gotten it
0: from D C then.
1: Junkyard Joe, <laughs> yeah. womp womp. It's
0: not from D C. It's I not from D C. <laughs> okay,
1: I'm I'm switching that right now, so uh disregard everything I said. <laughs>
0: Well, there were two others that I also put it kind of that B-plus category. Okay. I have some others B-pluses,
1: but go ahead. Superman number one.
0: Superman number one. Yeah, I I did enjoy that. I would have given it
1: like that four rating, which would have been a B, B B-plus, a four out of five. And it's, yeah, I don't know where the change came from, but I don't know why. But the setup for Superman to inherit the wealth thing that he can't reject was kind of a cool premise.
0: Well, Lex is definitely playing some games here. Yes, he is. And the direction of this title of Superman having to basically handle Lex's enemies
1: yeah,
0: is kind of interesting. And this whole super core direction and stuff like that, I mean, I don't know how long this is all going to last. Is it just this arc? Is it the new status quo for a while? Or, or what's going on? But I'm enjoying it. It's good. And I think it, it harkens back to core aspects of the Superman and the Clark Kent side of Superman that have just been missing for years.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, it was a good read. It was fun. It was so different. And, and then did you get a little of a, a Matrix vibe later on? Like, Is that what, the, what what's being set up?
0: <laughs> I'm not entirely sure where they're going with this. Yeah, that ending. I was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot that this is planting seeds for. Something. And I'm hoping the next couple of issues don't suffer from, okay, now that you've planted the seeds and it's not shiny new, is it still good? I'm hoping it will be.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I I thought it was a good start. So uh, you know, kudos to DC because it it wasn't my favorite writer, but he's he's a solid writer and he did a good job. And he gave us um you know a nice jumping off point for the dawn of the DCU.
0: Well, and I appreciate its full length story versus the anthology approach over at Action.
1: Yes, that is so nice. Now, did you like the other number one that came out? The did I'm sure you got it, Icon versus Hardware.
0: I did get Icon versus Hardware. Okay. I thought that went in a very different direction than I was expecting. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I liked the issue. I, that was one that I would
1: have given like a B plus type thing. Mm-hmm. But I was lost a few times in there because I haven't been reading all the, the books. But the issue was a lot of setup for the coming conflict, You know what's coming down the pipe. But I like the cut scene with Icon and school as a, a young girl. I thought that was kind of cool. Rocket. Or, Rocket. or Rocket. I'm sorry, not Icon, right? Rocket as a young girl.
0: I thought that was really cool. What I really liked about this is it moved forward the narratives of Icon, Rocket, and Hardware, each kind of independently of the other. Yeah, They they kind of make some, some status quo sort of changes for really almost all the characters and sets up a very open direction of where this could go. Yeah. And I found the titling of Worlds Collide as the event name, if you will, kind of interesting because they've used that before. And that was when the Milestone universe kind of crossed over with the DC universe back in the 90s. It almost feels like they're going to set this up to be pushed into the DCU. Well, it's interesting because at one point, some of these characters were in the DCU. And then
1: somehow got taken out and now maybe coming back.
0: Or maybe not taken out. Maybe these are just alternate versions. I don't know. Because I mean, like at one point, Static was a member of the Teen Titans. Very weird. Yeah. So, because
1: <laughs> you don't really see these characters at all, other than in the Milestone universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I I thought it was a good one. Did Did you like it? Was is that something you would be like a B B plus type range?
0: It was a B. I I enjoyed it. There's a little aspect of the the direction the story is going could be a lot of fun, but it's also yeah. a very risky direction to go because it I'm trying to uh, it provides a lot of outs and a lot of of easy writing crutches if you're not careful.
1: Yeah, I, no, I, I I know what you're talking about. Now, one other one that I wanted to ask you about, because I did not read the whole thing. We got the Lazarus Planet Omega. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I will have you know, I didn't tell you this at the beginning, I have a stack of comics sitting out there I did not read ahead for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Doing a monthly spotlight. <laughs> it, it was a very small stack, so I was okay with it. But I, I, I just read my manga and waited. <laughs> so, But what did you think of the Lazarus Planet Omega? The way it ended and everything, because I thought it was more in the kind of like the okay range. It was, okay,
0: all right, here we are. I put almost all the Lazarus Planet stuff, certainly anything with Lazarus Planet in the name this month, in the C-plus category.
1: Yep, that's exactly where I would agree it. To- <laughs>
0: Planet Omega didn't really land the ending, and I mean, yeah, I know it's not really over, there's other stuff, but if you're going to call it Omega, it kind of sets some expectations there. So I thought it was it was a little lackluster. I guess the first of the three this month was Next Evolution, which introduced Vigil, which was not really a great intro to that group or series. Flatline, which had a, a big development in there, not for her, but it's got to play out somewhere. I just don't know where and might be nice to know where. We got a Deadeye story, which was just not a great story. And I don't know, it was it was just kind of weird. Why they did that one at all, I don't know. And then the the Red Canary story, which had Sideways kind of guest starring for a bit until it's like, hey, I got to go back to school and like leaving the adventure undone, which was bad enough. But then Red Canary didn't finish the adventure in that chunk of, of the issue because they didn't have a full issue. It was anthology. I mean, literally the story for Red Canary felt so incomplete. It was a very bad note to end the issue on.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And are we expected to believe that these characters will have new power sets moving
0: forward from here? Henceforth? I don't know about new power sets, because I'm not really feeling most people are getting new power sets. No, like, I saw the Flash
1: thing in there, and then I'm, like, I'm reading the Flash, and I'm like, nothing translated over here.
0: Well, like, over in the Dark Fate one, we got uh, Huntress, that seemed to be a story setting something up, but I wasn't really sure what. Unstoppable Doom Patrol, which was clearly a preamble for the new series. A Still Force story introducing Circuit Breaker, which, wow, great name, which presumably is going to go off into the Flash stuff. Spirit World, which is the title of an upcoming miniseries, I guess. This story had John Constantine and Batgirl. Batgirl will be in the new series. But again, anthology, none of which got me excited of, wow, I can't wait to read this, that, or the other. And none of these felt like, oh, wow, this is a game-changing power-up or power-down for these characters. No,
1: yeah. it, it felt like I, I felt like I, I skipped it and I feel like I didn't miss anything at the same time, <laughs> which is never a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, Two other things that hooked into Lazarus Planet. Okay. Wonder Woman 796, which was just not a great issue, oh. ends on a note that's setting up the Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they, they extended it with that.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know if extended. They clearly had that in mind to begin with. Yeah. But it's like War of the Gods Part 2, and it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I, why they're doing this, I don't know. And then, of <laughs> course, uh, Batman vs. Robin which landed the ending better than the Lazarus Planet Omega, but that's not saying a whole lot, and I still thought it could have been better. And I, I felt they literally magicked their way out of, of one or two plot points, and one of them just felt so, so out of place in Gotham City, of all places. Yeah. If you tried the same thing in a, with a slightly different take on it over in like Metropolis, oh yeah, sure, But but that in Gotham? No, no, come on.
1: Yeah. I, I, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was just, like I said, so-so, and I didn't read the whole meat of the event, and I came out of it feeling like it, it, it's nothing I really need to know.
0: Well, I'm not going to say I read the whole meat of the event. I read the whole event, but I don't know that there was any meat of it.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. <It's> sad. <laughs> sad. That's a better word. It's sad.
0: <laughs> oh, Disappointing.
1: Yeah. Do you want to what uh, I'm starting to realize? It seems like these January events coming out of the holidays—they build these mini events. They're really just let's churn some sales with a story that we don't think will really work that well.
0: They're not events; they're banner storylines.
1: Yeah, banner storyline—that that would be a better it's way to it. It's something where
0: it's like we're going to hang a marketing hat on this, but otherwise, it's just another arc.
1: Yeah, and and they come off to me when I saw this and I saw the sins of sinister. I felt I I just got in my gut. My gut feeling was. This is a filler. Fil- These are filler comics until we get to the next ramp up for the summer.
0: Since the Sinister, I think, is a little different. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the Marvel stuff. Okay, because I did like the kickoff book. Yeah, we'll, we'll,
1: we'll wait. Okay, back to this stuff. <laughs> Batman versus Robin, you did enjoy that, right? Generally speaking, yeah. Okay, because that was an epilogue to The Last Earth's Planet. Not the Omega, but the epilogue of it.
0: I-, I liked it until it got to that one point where it's like, come on, really? Yeah. Yeah. That that was like
1: so ridiculous. I felt like – I felt like – you know the old Ben-Hur movie where the mm-hmm. I Am Spartacus moment? I felt like that's what I was watching, but it wasn't the
0: exact thing. But it was like, what what happened here? And why did they do this? Was the I Am Spartacus stuff in Ben-Hur? I thought that was a different film.
1: Oh, it,
0: it was Spartacus. Yeah, it was Spartacus.
1: Ben-Hur – I'm sorry.
0: Ben-Hur's the guy in the chariot race.
1: Sorry. My, my bad. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, whatever. Spartacus. <laughs> Oh, my God. But it's like
0: an I Am Spartacus moment in Ben-Hur. It would not work. It doesn't work. And it's not the same thing, but it was
1: essentially that. And I'm just like, man, like you said, that doesn't work
0: at all. And it it felt like it was just, it was cheap. Well, and there was one or two places this month in Lazarus Planet where it's like, oh, and we've got the magic users back. And I'm like, yeah, we did that last month. (laughs) And oh, magic's not going to work the same. Okay, and you're just going to tell me this, we know this how, and how is it not going to be the same? Oh, we'll figure that out later. Okay. Yeah,
1: not good. This was actually probably one of the least satisfying Batman vs. Robins out of the five I've read.
0: The fact that there are five that you've read in and of itself is intriguing. Sad is the only other word I can think <laughs> of, I'm sorry. The
1: five that I've read... <laughs> redundant
0: um, is what it makes those those things you know it's like come on
1: yeah it was just when i got there and i saw with the devil Niza and what happened to batman and then how they did that that was a complete cheat and it was just disappointing
0: and i expect better out of mark wade
1: yeah exactly he's the writer but i, I felt like he did a little bit better with the world's finest how about you it was a breather issue it was a breather a issue
0: ri- it was sort of funny sort of awkward yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was the 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 date from hell. Is that what how they described it? Pretty much. Yeah, I thought it was a breather. It was fun, but yeah, there was some awkward moments. And yeah, Robin trying to keep his cover the entire date, just making everything worse as he goes.
0: <laughs> I would like to see a follow up to that story set in the present day. Yeah, that would be cool. Where Kara realizes that. The young Robin had his flaws, certainly, but you look at the modern Nightwing, and it's the same guy, but he's grown a lot. He's matured. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It would be a much better date, I think.
0: Well, and I think you could do a follow-up to this without Nightwing even in the story if you pair up Supergirl and Barbara Gordon. Oh, yeah. That would work. Yeah. Because Barbara clearly would have heard about this date. Yes. Yes. You know, and if it basically, the conversation starts with Kara asking, I went out with him once, how do you stay with him? You know, and then here's what happened and and how he changed or, you know, whatever. Yeah, And it's funny because that's the exact kind of story that Devin Grayson did really well back, man, I'm not even sure when that was. It was like, she did an issue of Batman Plus and the plus was Arsenal. Oh, cool. And it was a compare and contrast. Of the Batman-Robin dynamic versus the Green Arrow-Speedy dynamic. Oh, cool. With only one member of each pairing in the story. Very cool. And it was a fun read? It was a great read. Nice. Because you can see how each is kind of expecting certain things based on how their partner would act, but also knowing how the other person isn't their partner. Exactly. Yeah. No, that That would have been a fun read. She did a few other things kind of like that, and it was just it showed a, a deep knowledge of the character and some good storytelling that honestly is missing in a lot of comics these days.
1: Yeah, I would agree.
0: This one was a fun comic
1: in that you could read it and you don't have to know anything. You don't have to know anything about what what's going on in the current comic and just enjoy it and have some chuckles, but yeah, not very deep.
0: <laughs> well, the fact it's set, you know, in a determined number of years in the past helps with some of that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Now, one other one that I will tell you that I did enjoy, which I know you did not get, this one is "Deceased War of the Undead Gods" number mm-hmm. six. I I think that was the final issue. It was a good issue. Everything. I don't know if it's the last issue or not because I, for the life of me, I can't remember the ending. <laughs> but everything's going really bad, <laughs> and I think there is another issue or two. But even when the the good guys win, it feels like a loss because of the you know these pirate victories. You know, with with stuff that happens in the people that get taken out battling the big bad. I mean, you have this virus that spreads to Mitzelplex. I guess that's how you say his name? Sure. The, yeah,
0: I, I don't know how to say it. You can say it however you want. I don't think there's a correct pronunciation to be had. Yeah, you get a battle between him and the Spectre in here, which is just
1: awesome. And the outcome of the fight affects Alfred, who has gone from the main DCU. so it's nice seeing Alfred. But just very cool stuff that's happening in there. And it's just in this little pocket dimension. And so even though it's a, an earth that's been shelved over here, you know, I don't think this will bleed over, but they always could if they wanted to.
0: They <laughs> can always go back and revisit.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I thought it was just a really terrific issue. But like I said, every victory feels like a loss. That That's what this book is. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But the ones that we didn't mention, which were for me just kind of like, okay, were like The Flash, 792 and 793. What did you think of those? They were just okay. It's the, it's the one minute war, you know, continues basically part one or part three and part four. And it seemed like the first one, there wasn't much progression in the story at all. You know, Kid Flash and his partner fight some robots, and well, that was
0: it. Was it just me? or uh, The focus on Impulse and Kid Flash, interesting. And this is the Wallace Kid Flash, not the Wally West yeah. Flash, of course. The fact that we have to specify which Kid Flash in and of itself is problematic. Yeah. <laughs> but there were so many things that just kind of happened conveniently.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, very conveniently.
0: I mean, things are just falling in their lap, left, right, and center. And it's like, that was a little disappointing.
1: Yeah. And and, and I felt like 793, it just, it, once again, it was just okay. Not, not much progression in the story itself, just more tactics and fighting.
0: Yeah, but what got me was just, there's a surprising amount of, of standing around talking that's happening during this one minute of this war. Yeah, during
1: one minute, we're going to spend 80% of
0: the issue talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this was the issue where they finally explained how come everybody is is kind of kicked into full speed, whether they want to be or not. Yeah, yeah. And this reeks of the writer having watched the Flash Time episode of of the Flash TV show.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Jeremy Adams. I I know some people like him as a writer, and I think he's taking over a a big-name book. I can't remember for the life of me what it is, but seeing what he's done on The Flash, I'm not overly excited for it.
0: Yeah, well, and this issue, everyone seemed to end in, in mortal jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like I've seen this at the end of every season of Smallville. Yep. And I mean, I hope they can land the ending on this, but I feel they almost have to undo one of the things because they seem to overplay it earlier in the story, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. I just, I don't know. It's okay. It's certainly not a high point of The Flash by any stretch of the imagination for me.
1: No, I would agree. The thing that was funny, I don't know if you'd say funnier, when the One Minute War started, the very first issue, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, something different. And then it immediately just kind of spiraled down from there for me.
0: I've got the next couple of solicits sitting here on my notes. Oh. And the solicit, we're talking about a 792 and 793. Yeah. The solicit for 796 is, it's the final moments of the One Minute War. Still going. <laughs> it, it's been what, eight issues? or <laughs> How do you have moments in a minute? A moment yeah. is multiple minutes Yeah I mean, That's just bad writing right there Yeah And again, we're going to have another three issues of this
1: Yeah, and, and it's not completely wrapped up It's 790, or 796 for all we know It could spill over into another one
0: 797
1: seems to be a filler story Oh, okay, okay I've been noticing The Flash has been cranking out like crazy Yes Because they're trying to get Wonder Woman and Flash to hit 800 at the same time Why? I, I don't know spread it out and have your events separated. They don't have to concurrently happen.
0: I think you're better off with them not concurrently happening.
1: No, it seems like it diminishes it a little bit, and maybe people have a little more money to spend if you come out with your $10 issue three months apart.
0: Well, you can do a cover feature on DC Connect, one month of Flash, another month of Wonder Woman. If they're at the same month they both hit 800, which do you focus on? Yeah, this
1: is what happens when you don't have editors in charge or bad editors in charge.
0: Or you don't have a good marketing department. That too. Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> we have two issues eight 800s. What do you, you know, look at that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And really, uh. all you've got to do is have them be one week apart, one at the end, one at the beginning of the following month or whatever. But even that, you don't need to be getting the flash out. Uh, well, you need to be getting the flash out fast just so we can get through this damn storyline. But otherwise, you don't need to be getting it out so fast. Tell better stories.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Nightwing was kind of okay
1: too. I had some issues with this one. I it wasn't that good. This was one of my least
0: favorite nightwing issues. <laughs> yeah. First off, Raven wasn't telepathic last I checked. Empathic, yes. Telepathic, no. But I leaned, you know, back towards the original Raven, so maybe they snuck that into the newest version somehow someday, I don't know. Yep. And Amanda Waller, who was physically on site at Titan's Tower with the police and stuff, and this is the Titan's Tower not in Bloodhaven, but the the one that that, that was blown up pretty well in uh, Dark Crisis. Yep. Why would you let just the random authorities handle your, your your tower where you've got, I don't know, potentially sensitive information and, you know, things that random, you know, unauthorized people, whether they be first responders or not, really ought not to have. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. This feels like a, either a, a Titans Justice League kind of a thing or Department of whatever the DEO stands for today, they should be handling something. Yeah. But but that bothered me. But Waller being physically on site for this, she was on Earth 3 as recently as one of the Lazarus Planet one-shots we just talked about. She just zoomed on all of- <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, she she's not on this Earth. <laughs> and then the backup feature was just kind of a bit abrupt.
1: Yeah, that was really abrupt. I was like, eh, all right.
0: Now, the other one that...
1: The, the only one that I wanted to mention... Stargirl and the Lost Children, mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of funny, but it was needed that they needed that big explanation in Hyper Time and the Omniverse with charts and graphs because nobody's going to remember how that works.
0: Quirky does have a lot of exposition in this, this issue, yes.
1: It really does. And I saw that chart again. I was like, thank you for putting that in there and not expecting me to remember that because I would not remember that for the life of me.
0: Yeah, And we finally get kind of the the buyer of the children on this lost island or whatever. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the buyer is there to hurt them or somehow, like, save them and his plan went awry or something. And I'm going to be disappointed if these kids don't get somehow woven into the timeline at the end of all this.
1: Yeah, because then what's the point of this exercise if they're just kind of pushed off and we never see them again?
0: Exactly. Exactly. You spend this much time setting them up. I expect you to do something with them.
1: Yeah, they better. Or I mean, I can't say they better, but that's how you feel coming out of that, all right? I dumped all this time into these six issues. You put a top-tier talent on it. Hey, you better do something with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and there are one or two of these that are characters we have seen before. One of them is a member of Young Justice, was a member of Young Justice. Yeah. So yeah, for me, the other stuff I read, the Static series, which was a solid read, the Shadows of Dakota number one. I mean, it's building on the previous miniseries, but both this and Icon vs. Hardware had a pretty detailed recap to get people up to speed if they they missed the previous stuff. Yeah, I appreciated that. And then the other two things I got, I'm still getting Detective Comics. I have no idea why uh, inertia. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't be, but I just haven't dropped it yet. And then Action Comics, which I'm enjoying, but I wish the lead story had more space. And I felt the the backup feature with John was. Good, but slow. And the Power Girl one, I really have no idea why they thought this was a a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. They basically pair her up with Supergirl in this. Oh. And it just underscores the confusion around Power Girl's very existence for me.
1: Yeah. The the only other two I got were the last issues. Superman Space Age, gone. That's the last issue. And Sergeant Rock and the Army of the Dead, gone. But they were just, okay, they're finished.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Shall we move over to Marvel? Yeah, a little bit to Marvel, where I got more things in Marvel. Yeah, I'm getting quite a few things over at Marvel compared, you know, in terms of the split of what I'm getting.
1: Yeah, and you look at the size of those catalogs and it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, but I'm wondering, I mean, there are a couple of these things that are just going to end on their own, a few others that I'm wondering if I should keep or not.
1: Yeah, Uh, by the way, I did pick up the Sins of Sinister number one that you told me about. I messaged Eric, and I really I really did enjoy it. It felt, the reading of it, it felt Hickman-esque is the way I would describe it. Yes. And it was a really solid read. I got excited for it, even though I skipped the event. <laughs> it got me excited. But hearing from you, you're like, it's the, after this, that was kind of let down, I'm assuming. Uh,
0: it was, uh, the other stuff was interesting. And I think it's building off stuff that were seeds that were planted back in Power of X, I think it was. Yeah. With the uh, Chimera and stuff like that. And I'm curious where they're going with this. It's got an obvious reset button built into it because they're telling stuff that's 10 years out this month and then 100 years out next month and then 1,000 years out the month after. Yes. So it may actually tie into some of the events that we saw in Powers of X. I don't know.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Don't know. But it was it was a fantastic read. I haven't read anything other than that, but it was good. Did you like the, the spinoff series? We got Nightcrawlers.
0: Nightcrawler, yeah, that was one. Which I thought was, was an interesting read. And I think Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants was better. Okay. And it was certainly, both of these are playing into the bigger Sins of Sinister arc, so it was standalone, not great. But I liked how at least the Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants acknowledged there's a strong chance of, again, the, the timeline getting that reset and the undo that that's that's built into the nature of the arc. Okay. And then what was the other one we got? Because there was uh, Immoral X-Men was the immoral. other Immoral, yeah. Not immortal, but immoral. <laughs> yeah. How was that? I thought that was a good read. I mean, I, I was at the point by this point, because it was the third of the three, that I wish they didn't package these as different miniseries, but just as one kind of Sins of Sinister series. Okay, Because again, the first issue of these three is at one time point, I believe the next one is at 100 years and the other one at 1,000 years, and I could be wrong on the time frames, but I think they're, they're telling stories across the first issues, or let me rephrase that. The events of the issues are happening roughly concurrently-ish in the first, and then jump time jump to the second issues, time jump to the third issues, I think, not having read the second and third issues yet, of course. Interesting.
1: All right. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, one thing I was excited for. We got the last issue of Jason Aaron's Avengers and Avengers Forever. It's gone.
0: <laughs> is that really the end? I mean, we've got the, the finale or whatever. I was, I was looking forward to these to end.
1: Yeah, 65 and 14, I think, are the end. And then he has his little something. I don't know what it is.
0: It's an Avengers finale of some sort. I thought Avengers 65 was, let's pause this arc for needless backstory and yet another multiversal version of an own character that we're probably not going to see much after this. Yep, exactly. And then (laughs) Avengers Forever 14, way too many captions at the start of that. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) I hated that book. I am so ready for this era of Avengers to be over. Yeah, this was a
1: bad era. Well, on the flip side, I will tell you, Avengers War Across Time number two, Mm -hmm. I I loved. I thought it was terrific.
0: I liked, I'm not going to say I loved. I loved it. I thought it was weird. (laughs) Weird is a good thing. It's, the, the a the good comic, description, I should say. It's not a good thing. It's a good description.
1: Yeah. This comic is set up and looks and feels like a 60s comic, but I love it so much. And usually I don't like those retro-type comics, but I felt like the art, the, right, Paul Davison and Alan, Paul or Alan Davis and Paul Levitz, they're working really well together. Yes. And we get the Avengers fighting the King of the Dwarves when he's actually transported, <laughs> accidentally transported to New York in
0: the Fantastic Four building. And armor doesn't hurt him. (laughs) I was like, what is going on here? It was hilarious. It was funny. It definitely hit the vibe of the 60s in all the right ways, but it felt like a filler issue of a limited series. And there were way too many cameos in there. Some of which I felt were just needless and gratuitous. I think it was just so ridiculous
1: that I was laughing at it. And not in a bad way, but laughing, I'm like, this is kind of funny. And then, you know, only Cap's shield is safe. And, uh, you know, the dwarf the dwarf guy, he's like, I helped forge Thor's hammer. I mm-hmm. can wield it. I mean, it's just hilarious. You know, Iron Man, you're going to have no effect. This guy can eviscerate you. <laughs> it was just a lot of fun.
0: It was just interesting. I just thought the, the setup to get the dwarf king there was a, a little ludicrous. Yeah, it, it, was. it was. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to say I loved it. Yeah, it was completely ridiculous.
1: And like I said, I don't know why I enjoyed it so much, other than I thought
0: it was hilarious. <laughs> it had a whimsical aspect that most modern comics are missing.
1: Yeah, it was like reading a comedy whimsical issue. It was. It was just a lot of
0: fun. I can't. I. Can't, I hate
1: saying that word again. But
0: well, it's it. It's like reading something from the Marvel 60s. From the
1: Marvel 60s, but at the same time, not over verbose. You know, not not too wordy because sometimes you know those get uh, and not talking down to you, talking to a modern day yeah you know forty fifty year old guy.
0: <laughs> it's what a it's what the '60s era of Marvel would be like if told in the current. I don't want to say storytelling style, but in the current day.
1: Yeah, in the current day, knowing the readership and our how old, probably how old we are, you know, Gen X. Yeah. Now, what what did you like? Because like I got stuff that I did enjoy. But I know some of it you didn't get. Did did you like the Fantastic Four with the
0: four? Not really. (laughs) Oh, all right. C-plus for me. I mean, we finally get the the entire team and find out what happened prior to the start of the series. Yep. It seemed totally far-fetched, completely out of character for Reed, and it reeks of the writer wanting a status quo change for a bit and just making it happen. Yeah, they they, they set that up for
1: some kind of emotional tug, and yeah. Uh, it
0: it, It didn't tug for me, yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that, that whole setup with Ben and Alicia and the, the kids and all that. Yeah, I'm like, it, it, I think it's going to be more emotional maybe if I was a parent and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not saying that I can't. I can empathize with it, but it, it didn't
0: work completely for me. It just, like you said, it felt, felt a little forced. It felt incredibly forced and it undercuts Reed's intellect. Yeah, I would agree
1: because Reed would have thought forward enough, you know, put mental chess calculated and done stuff and may have thought of a different way.
0: Even if he couldn't have, all he had to do was give some instructions to Valeria and she could have fixed it. Exactly. So yeah. it, it felt, again, like a, a writer just wanting a different status quo change of, I don't want to go deal with the kids, so they're going to be gone for a while. Yeah, let's, let's put them over here.
1: And they're not gone, but they're not going to be here for my run.
0: Yeah, it just it made no sense.
1: Yeah, it literally just shelved the characters.
0: Yeah, and there was one thing they did with Reed's powers and stuff that was like, ooh, gross, forget that. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was not a good issue at all. Yeah, no,
1: I can see that. It was not like something I would say was great, but I was curious now that the four are back together, how if you liked it a little bit more or not. Honestly, a little bit less. A little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate, but I can, I can hear it in your voice, though. Yeah,
0: I felt the writing just was not good. and. To have a few-month buildup of, ooh, what happened? You know, what are they reeling from? And, oh, well, Reed, uncharacteristically, not miscalculated, but couldn't figure out a better solution. Yeah, it just doesn't track. It does not track at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. Now, what else did you like? Because I have things that I like, but I'm pretty sure you didn't get them.
0: I would say one of the other best things for me was Wasp number two. I didn't get that, and you said it was good, and I kind of regret that I didn't get it. It's a fun read. Nice use of both wasps again. Jarvis is there, not as a, a major character, but you know, as a at least as a character, which frankly we don't see so much. And again, I grew up during the area where he was ubiquitous in the Avenger title.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so for him to no longer be missing in action is appreciated. And honestly, I liked the reference and the footnotes to Janet's backstory. Oh, very cool. Th- there are aspects of this that are definitely playing into aspects of her origin and other stuff from early foundational or almost pre-foundational aspects of the Marvel Universe. Well, I'll tell you what, if it plays out and it's
1: good throughout the miniseries, let me know because I will pick up the trade.
0: Okay. When the trade gets solicited, ask me, I doubt my opinion's going to change, but it's possible.
1: Okay, because this is only the first issue, is it five issue miniseries? Oh, second issue. Okay. But you like the first one too, I remember. I like the first one too. So the, I bet you in the next preview is not the one we have here and I have here in hand right now, but the next one will probably have the, the trade. Probably,
0: if not, certainly the one after.
1: Yeah, Marvel's pretty good at getting those out. Yeah. Now, what else did you like?
0: X-Men 19. X-Men 19. Okay, yeah, yeah. The deep space brood fight that's going on. Yeah, and move forward a couple of plot lines. I thought it was a good read. I think there's something just ironic and hilarious about X-Men 19 footnoting X-Men 19.
1: Yeah, that was kind of funny.
0: And not <laughs> this X Men nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> if they were really clever, they would have found an issue of a title that they that had like a time manipulation thing, and then every time the title gets rebooted and back to that issue, dives back to that point or something. That and would have it, been hilarious. If particularly if you could pre plan that, that would just be amazing. Yeah. The other one I'm enjoying is Wolverine thirty. Oh, okay. Wolverine. Yeah. This this one's really picked up for me lately, and the end of the issue was, was just seeming to be completely inevitable, so it got there. I really liked it too, by the way. And ironically, I think it's just kind of a starting point because we need an explanation for really how things got to this point. I mean, we've seen them get to this point, but why?
1: Exactly. I like the whole concept of making Wolverine out almost like a tool, you know, for, with the beast.
0: Well, they've had him be an agent of X Force, or however they're they're phrasing it these days, yep. and such. It's uh, kind of a black ops operative, but to yeah. have been played the way he's been played, again, the end of this issue had to happen.
1: He's not to be used. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's he's
0: like you you don't do things to like that to Wolverine, and and there not be consequences.
1: It's not going to end well for you. Yeah,
0: but I. Th- think there's got to be a way to, and again, the Resurrection Protocol provides this, to reset one of the other characters back to a point that they're still usable.
1: Exactly. Yep. I agree. So
0: I thought, I thought that Wolverine issue was one of the better ones. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was pretty that. solid.
1: Now, one thing I was, or I was going to tell you a few things that I liked okay. that I know you're not getting. Daredevil number eight was, was solid. This issue, it sped up quite a bit from the pace we are going. You get, Daredevil and Elektra, the fist versus the hand, Mm -hmm. or Frank Castle. And there was all this buildup and buildup that this, we're coming to a loggerhead, we're going to have this fight, and it's over in one issue. And that's where I was like, why did we speed it up so fast? Boom, it's over. Frank kind of, it favors him, and there's an amulet that's, uh, something is captured in here. I'm trying not to spoil too much, and there's a lot of characters that we were in never introduced to that seem to play key roles in this, which that's one thing I didn't like. And it, it, it ends up where the war is not completely over and some other characters
0: may be taking on Daredevil
1: outside of the Punisher. That's, that's where we end it. So I was like, okay,
0: that's cool. It, it does feel like the only thing worse than a, and the butler did it, was to have the reaction of, wait, there's a butler?
1: Yeah, that was the frustrating part. I was like, okay, there's these key characters, and they were never introduced, and they and they're playing this key role. I'm like, what is? Why is this happening? Okay, but other than that, it was really good. That's what kept it like in that B range. Um, Joe Fixit number two. I'm still liking it. It's that Peter David thing. It's just a a fun read going back to the 90s with uh, Peter David era. Mm -hmm. And we get the Kingpin showing some skills and how he can control people because he's wanting to basically muscle in on the Hulk and the Magia. And let's use the approach, buy him or control him with the Hulk. That's where he's coming down to. And you get Spidey in the issue, which was kind of cool. I I thought it was just fun. And then uh, Namor number five, it was the end of the story where basically the humans were on the brink of getting wiped out. Mm-hmm. And you had the whole android population, the original Human Torch, Namor fighting his people to try and help the humans, and this and that. And it was a pretty good miniseries. I wouldn't say it's like you know y- you have to go out and pick up this the trade paperback and read it, but I I don't regret reading it. It was fun. You get Namor having to face off against fellow Atlanteans and Namorita, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it was a solid issue. It wasn't great, but it was solid. And the o- only other one I really liked was. Punisher War Journal base. It's like that quarterly type thing that that Torin Grunbeck. I think he's Nordic of Norwegian. He's mentioned I mentioned him a few times. Yeah, yeah. He he's doing these quarterly things. He's really good with these quarterly war journals. So this was before Frank was the Punisher. Once again, they're fleshing out his whole past. We know him as the Marine. This is Frank coming back from Nam, the trauma and how it changed him as a person. And, and I think they're doing this whole series to show you Frank was a person before he was a Marine, because there's almost this this like, let's glorify the Punisher and the the Marine, because yeah, you want to support the troops. And I understand that I was a soldier. So I wasn't a Marine, I was a soldier, I was in the army. But we can't glorify that without understanding the people and who they are Mm -hmm. and the haunting that comes from that. And it doesn't make someone a hero or a good person. So this is like, I feel like this whole comic series is a bit like, Here's the foundations of Frank. He's more than just what this is and let's really get to know the character. That's what this whole project is. And Frank's wife wants her husband back and is there anything to give back to her? So this guy gets really deep into like some almost psychological things behind the Punisher. And there's there's some definitely some fighting in here. You know, there's mafia members who kill a family dog and it doesn't end well, so it's it's definitely the Punisher.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's certain parts that it's not that the origin story of, of the Punisher is all there is to him, but that's something that other people would have reacted differently. There's a part of him that, that was always going to be that way, I guess. But again, there are other aspects to him too. So cool.
1: Exactly. So it, it, it's kind of fun because it's something that we never saw. The The oldest that we ever saw Frank before this was a born with Garth Ennis. And Garth Ennis made him out to be a murderer before he came back. Mm. Before the stuff happened with the mafia, he-, he, he killed an officer over there, got an officer killed. You know, his face was shaded to black and everything. So this tells you this is a guy who will do whatever, and it's not because of the family. The family was just a thing that happened. And, and so and people don't look at that when they look at Bourne. They're like, no, he was a hero and was fighting the bad guys. I'm like, that's not really who he was. Yeah, I, I, I know it's weird saying that, but-
0: The Punisher's an odd character because he basically started out as something, I don't say of a villain, but an antagonist. An anti-hero, as I call him. Yeah, it's someone you root for because he's killing people
1: that well, maybe then, you don't like or are worse than him.
0: Initially, he wasn't somebody you were supposed to root for. No, he was it, coming after the Spider-Man and Daredevil and stuff like that. It was once yeah. they gave him his own series that now we've got to turn him into an anti-hero.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and, and in that whole '90s time frame, that's when even in wrestling, the bad guys became the good guys. You know, you rooted for the bad guys, and that was never their thing until around that age. You know, the Punisher and wrestling. And it, it's like, let's take these dark characters and make them the ones that the people are cheering for. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just a, a thing that swept the country. Yeah. yeah. So kind of cool. I, I mean, and then everything else you got was just for me, just kind of like, eh, I, I, you know, Vince Lyerman, number three, just kind of like, eh, that's okay. Amazing Spider-Man, what are we doing here? We got filler issues. Okay. I mean, huh.
0: Yeah. A lot of it was just, well, again, the Amazing Spider-Man literally was a two-part fill-in story. Yeah, it, it was a guest writer. It's not even the writer writing it. <laughs> yeah, it was Joe Kelly, Terry Dodson, so not a bad creative team, but it, it felt like okay, let's just toss some action in there and, and fill two issues. Black Cat uh was in there, so that was nice. Yeah. What did you think of this issue of of Mary Jane and Black Cat number 3 cuz it was a good chapter, but it was just a chapter of a story, which is very unusual for Jed McKay.
1: It was a very unusual. It, it seemed very like middle chaptery and not
0: his normal writing style. It
1: was. It was one of my least favorite Jed McKay issues.
0: Yeah, and I was he's, expecting at this point, since we had Dark Web finale, that we'd be out of limbo and moving on.
1: Yep, and I, I think this is his first time writing anything other than. I, I, maybe there's. I'm sure there's more, but he, he was. He's really known for the two issues, and let's move on. You know, an issue here. Let's move on. Here's two issues here. There might be an overarching arc, but the 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 really they're quick hits. You know. And this is so – he's trying to do, like, these five issues, and it just felt very mid- middle chapter, nothing really happening, no progression.
0: Well, what's interesting is the fifth issue is solicited as your favorite new comic book reaches its climatic conclusion of its first arc.
1: Ha! So there's another!
0: <laughs> That's what it implies! Wow. So it wasn't bad, but I, I expect better, and again, I was expecting us to be out of out of the limbo that we're in in that title.
1: Yeah. Literally, everything else was just like in that okay category for me. I mean, like, Gold Goblin's doing its thing. What did you. Are you still getting Spider Man? I, I am, and I, I don't like it. It's, a, you know, all the alt world Spider Man was interesting. I thought that was kind of cool, but we're still not seeing the end of the Spider Verse, which is what this is supposed to be.
0: But that's not an alt world Spider Man. That's being. We're being told that's in the 616 universe somehow. Yeah, that's why I'm like. How how is this in the sixth? One? It's got to be all world. I mean, we're spending an entire issue building up an alternate Peter Parker of some sort that I really doubt's going to become like the real one. I just I, I was puzzled by what the whole point of the issue was, and then the backup was just completely pointless. That's where I was. I'm like, it has to be an alternative world because I'm reading Spider Man and this is not the same guy. <laughs> this S- is not what's going on. Slot has done a really great job on Spider Man before, yeah, and is not doing it here.
1: It's like he got stuck in this malaise of this Spider-Verse that he created. And I'm like, I thought he was kicking this off to end it. And I'm like, okay, man, we're we're, we're five issues in. You haven't ended anything. You've expanded upon it, if yeah. anything. And I'm just ready for it to just be finished. Or if it's going to be like this for the next six issues, I'm out. I'm done. I got to go. I can't take it anymore.
0: Yeah. I think the minute this hits another new arc in the I'm title, <laughs> I, I depending on the arc, I'm probably out too.
1: Yeah, if it's Spider Verse concluding part <laughs> arc three, uh, no, <laughs> I, I I can't I can't hang out for these long like Avengers type Jason Aaron things. I can't do it anymore.
0: Well, number seven's supposed to be the end of the Spider Verse. Is here?
1: Yeah, that's why I was like, okay, okay, we're getting there. And Hopefully, it finger-
0: is or it isn't. But come Spider Man number eight, if you don't have a winning solicit, yeah,
1: yeah, we're we're, we're into the Spider, we're out of the Spider Verse <laughs> at yeah. that point. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. So I'm right there with you. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff was just so-so. Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, number nine. Uh, by the way, what is the other Captain America title? I'm not getting it anymore. Symbol of truth. I am going to be getting it for the little mini story event where they're- Cold War. Gonna, Cold War. So I am picking that up because they do tie in together. So
0: Now, one question I had on Sentinel of Liberty. Yeah. Is it just me or does Peggy's outfit make her look like Rogue? Now that you say it, yeah, it really does. <laughs> Every time I look at it, it's like, what's Rogue doing here? Oh, is she, why is she being called Peggy? Oh, it's Peggy. Yeah. That yeah.
1: That, that's funny. Any
0: <laughs> other color and it wouldn't have been a problem. That's true. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but I mean,
1: I'm ready to get out of February and March. I'm hoping for things better because it seems like January and February are just kind of like they're, they're just biding their time to do something. And I'm like, come on, man. I can't bide my time for three months buying mediocre books.
0: Yeah. I did enjoy Scarlet Witch number two. Oh, that's another one you told me you really liked. Technically, I told you you may want to check it out because The Vision's Daughter was in it. At that point, I hadn't read it. So be very careful when you translate. I'm pointing out a title with I must have really liked it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's not always the same. Just saying.
1: That's true. That is true. You did say that.
0: (laughs) Did you like it? I did enjoy this. It's a much better series than I was expecting it to be. And there's a done-in-one aspect of this series that was a lot of what made the Black Cat title work so well that's playing out here. One thing I was wondering is, when we get to questions that
1: people sent in, I know we're going to record another episode, Mm -hmm. somebody was asking about the Scarlet Witch, or I mean asking about the events, and it looks like Scarlet Witch is going to play into an event, and I wonder if this book is going to be leading up to that. So it may be something I dip in and get a a trade later on if if it plays out pretty well.
0: It looks like that stuff's going to happen in annuals, but we'll talk about that when we get to the questions.
1: Okay. All right. I'll leave it alone then.
0: Other thing this month, She-Hulk number 10, final one for me. I'm dropping it. Yeah, that was horrible. It was just... When was She-Hulk married to John Jameson? I don't know. (laughs) I have zero recollection of that. And Granted, there's an early part of Marvel I just haven't read, but I've been reading She-Hulk for decades, the Spider-Man books with J. Jonah Jameson, John's father, in there for decades. You're like, where did this come up? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I'm out on She-Hulk. I, I'm done. This will this will be my last issue.
0: For me, it's too slow. It's too uneven. Sometimes it shatters the fourth wall. Other times, it's just a normal comic in that respect. Yeah, and
1: there's very little momentum with it. I mean, yeah, just a lot of like, let's be quaint. And I'm like, okay, it was it was cool and quirky. Make it like the TV show. But I'm like, I need more than that. So
0: don't make it like the TV show. That didn't land the ending for me. Nope. <laughs> And this one of, of what's going on with, with Jack of Hearts and stuff, it didn't play out well. It, it felt like there was a montage. It's like, don't, don't montage. Tell me the story. Yep. I so agree. I was, I was disappointed with that one. Me too. Anything else over at Marvel?
1: Nah, let's get into the indies.
0: All right. I only had 12 of these. Well, I had 16. Not very many more, but I did have more. What did you think of Erratic Recharge
1: number four? I did not like it at all. <laughs> okay. Did you like it? No. I I hated it. It, The first Erratic was a decent book, and this just was not good.
0: It was action-packed in places, and plot light, and if they do another, I'm not coming back for it.
1: I I think I'm done with it after this. I was just like, I I think I've had enough.
0: It seems very indulgent on the writer's part, and while it could have been a modern-day Spider-Man kind of a thing, it's not.
1: He's wasted his goodwill, and and I'm out too. I'm done. Unfortunate. Now I will tell you the thing that I the two things that I did like. One of them I told you about before and it's not a DC book. Junkyard Joe number mm-hmm. 5 was awesome. <laughs> it was a great issue and you got Muddy who's like the the cartoonist guy trying to track down where Joe came from and a se- secret hit squad is after Junkyard Joe and also Muddy because he's been harboring him. and they end up taking the neighbor kids prisoner because they were in Joe's house. Or I mean in uh, Muddy's house. And so Will Joe Save the Day? You get some stuff that pops up from his past and kind of a really cool issue. Cool. Now, you didn't—you weren't getting the nightclub thing. That was the Mark Millar book. I passed on that, yeah. That was the other one that I thought was really good. And the reason why it's changing, I, I wouldn't say it's changing from a vampire book, but it really did fundamentally kind of change where he said, let's take this guy, we turn him into a vampire. Let's have this guy turn his friends into vampires. So these are teenage kids. Think Miles mm, Morales yeah. age kids. and this book is taking on a very Spider-Man type feel, like a family feel, where they're working up and they're teaming up and they're becoming like superhero crime fighters with their powers on Mm. the streets at night. So it's kind of flipped the script to where it's not a murderous, let's go suck blood and kill people. Let's use these like super speed and we can do this stuff and super strength and let's fight the bad guys. And so it really is kind of cool. And there's some bad news on the horizon. They leave a little cliffhanger out there, but it was just nice to see that whole almost Spider-Man-esque superhero story with vampires.
0: So weird, interesting.
1: Yeah, it, it, it actually turned into something that you you may enjoy based on how they're they're flipping it. it.
0: It definitely sounds intriguing. Yeah,
1: yeah. If they stay on that path and they don't make it like gruesome or anything, and they really haven't made it like that. Interesting. So,
0: so cool. kind of cool. So what what did you enjoy? I would say the best of the bunch for me. It was probably Inferno Girl Red. Oh, I didn't read that. What is that? It is another one of the massive verse titles that I knew I said I was pulling out of, but this is one they'd been teasing or whatever. I think it started as a Kickstarter maybe, but for years. And this one looked interesting. Cool. Enjoyable read. I still consider the Super Sentai genre a team-based genre. This is a solo hero, but it's an interesting character and a better lead character than Radiant Black which is kind of where that book went off the rails for me. Interesting.
1: Yeah, because you weren't enjoying that. So that's nice that they kind of pulled it back in together with this character.
0: Well, and this is a three-issue kind of book one, and there's going to be probably at least one or two other books of it. But it's it's a finite investment. Now, granted, its five ninety nine, but they've got, I think, a bigger page count, and that, that kind of helps them tell the story a little more. Oh, very cool. So that what, one's enjoyable. So what else did you like? Let's see. I got Ancient Enemies number two. Cool. It's interesting. This is Dan Didio's thing over at Frank Miller Presents. It's some fun world building, but it's it's a little slow. Not going to be for everybody, but it's it's entertaining. Not oh my god, wow, but but you know. No, that makes sense. Good enough to to stick with. A lot of the I- other stuff I'm getting is like Star Trek, Star Trek Resurgence, Time Before Time, Walking Dead Deluxe. I did pick up Space Job from from Dark Horse. Was that good? It felt like it was just part of a pilot episode for like a, a Star Trek-inspired comedy, and I put comedy in quotes there. <laughs> the character they feature on the cover, they start the issue with, and he gets kind of written out of the story within a few pages. Oh. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, why, why start with this? They almost tried to do an Orville. By the way, Orville, I think season three is out. Is it? I've watched season three,
1: so yeah. I don't think I've watched it. I've watched season two. I didn't even know it was out. It was on Hulu, yeah. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I have Hulu. I didn't see it advertised anywhere, and I streamed it. I'm, May you not they, have been. You'd think they would have popped it up and said, hey, season three's out, but they didn't. Son At the very guns.
0: least, you'd think I would have recorded an episode on it and put it on the feed, which I did.
1: Oh, for credit <laughs> loud!
0: <laughs> Just saying. And I didn't even watch it. I'm like, son of a gun. Or It has would... some good stuff, so definitely oh, check my gosh. it out. Space Job seems like it wanted to be of that, Ilk going more on the comedy side of it. It just it fell flat for me in the first, but it it does feel like this is just part of like a a pilot episode. Uh-huh. So maybe it'll pick up. I hope so because I've I've got the others coming. You know, it's
1: going to be funny. This has happened to me before. I'm going to be like, season three came out. I can't believe it. And then I'm going to watch. It. I'll be like, oh, I've seen that. <laughs> That's what's <laughs> going to happen. Forgot all see. about it. Yeah. Yes, uh, because my memory sucks that bad. I will tell you some good things that I read. That's okay. yeah, so interesting. Okay. They, they, they weren't great, but these are like good, you know, good books. Okay. Liquid Kill number one came out from Whatnot. So this was my first uh, Whatnot comic. Mm-hmm. And like I said, not great, but it was good. It was my my first experience with it. I know they had one other title that came out with like the guy who played Blade was writing it. I can't remember. The Blade, the movie with uh, the. Wesley the, Snipes. Wesley Snipes. That's him. And it's a decent read. The art was good, but not special. And it's setting. A future where heroin is going to rescue people from human trafficking. So that was the whole kind of premise behind it. And I thought it was fun, but I, I don't know how long it'll be there for. I think it's like a mini series. And then from Image, I picked up a new number one called Local Man. And this one, I didn't know if I would stick with it. It was a good first issue. And it's, it's Tim Seeley, who's the writer, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Tim Seeley's hit or miss with me. Sometimes he's really good. Sometimes he's not. And it's kind of like the bo- a boys vibe, the boys comic from Garth Ennis. Without the over-the-top hatred of superheroes, you get a guy named Jack Xavier, i guess is his name—or Xavier or whatever—and he was part of a superhero team called Third Gen. And something happened—we don't know right now—where he went home to see his, to his parents in a small town. And repercussions of him being on that Third Gen kind of follow him, you know, where he almost gets into a bar fight at one time and just using a trash can lid to defend himself. And you know, the Third Gen people show up with a cease and desist and. With the paperwork, with a lawsuit, because you're using a shield, and the, that's our IP. <laughs> mm. So it's kind of like the cynical look at being an ex superhero. So I don't know how long I'll stick around for it, but it was it wasn't bad. It was it was good, goodish. Nemesis Reloaded too, solid. And not as good as I feel like Nightclub by Mark Millar. You, you get the the bounty Nemesis put out on the entire police force that's taking effect as people start to murder police throughout the city, and you get some background into Nemesis in his youth, which was kind of cool. Oh, okay. And then the only other two I'd mention to you that I I kind I, one of them I usually really enjoy, but it was, it was, this one was not as good as the others, but it's still really good. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number four, Jason Aaron book. It's an indie book. I like this issue, but we get a ton of backstory on the Rangers, which are kind of like Boy Scouts because they have like badges and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But the badges are like how to survive in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> Wasteland, you know, skinning, <laughs> yeah, you know, like like true survival kind of, skills, true survival things, and it was just kind of funny, but you get Mezzi and Maceo, the the main characters, they get separated, and Maceo is captured by the Rangers, and will Mezzi come back to save him
0: mm-hmm.
1: or leave him behind? and so that's the conundrum we are, in. and then the other one that's just the weirdest book, and I keep buying it, and I don't know why I like it, but I do. Is what the furthest place from here, number eleven? It's that Tyler Boss thing, and the book got back on track because this issue number ten, I was like, this is not very good, but some of the characters you, that were in the past, you get to see them again. People are picked up by packs of wild people that act like animals. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so hard to describe this book, and we get the fate of Oberon, who's a character who went missing several issues back, and it was nice to see that character come back again. so it was, cool. it was just kind of cool people. Kids forming packs in the apocalyptic wasteland. Once again, I'm a post-apocalyptic fiend, so I love that stuff.
0: Oh, that's good, because there are a lot of those post-apocalyptic universes to pick from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so you didn't happen to get Last Barbarians from Image, did you? I did not. Okay, that was that creative team. They used digital art. I can't remember their name. Oh, Haberlin. Haberlin. And honestly, not good. I'm not sticking around. That's too bad. Haberlin, sometimes he does some really good stuff, but this one uh, it just wasn't that enjoyable. I didn't I didn't feel anything about the character, so I didn't feel attached, and it was just a problem. Yeah, yeah, it felt like going through the motions. Yeah,
0: I think for me, with the the other publishers and stuff, is really once you get past Star Trek, Walking Dead, Power Rangers, and Time Before Time, there's not a whole lot on my reading list here.
1: No, I I know because that's where you made the bulk of your cuts. And that made me think that if a nightclub sticks the landing, it's something that I'm not saying you have to go and buy you know all the back issues, but maybe trade time, maybe we could do a back issue spotlight to see if it's something that would, you know stoked your interest and something different. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he tends to go back and visit the properties again if it does well. Who knows?
0: I think it's less that I'm making cuts in this area than these titles generally flip over and or end and and don't flip over into something new. And I'm just not finding that many new things to to add in. I know what you mean by that because
1: you know AWA was my darling, but it seems like you know they have like one or two books coming out, and the two that came out is like one I didn't like the erratic thing, and the the other one was like Black Tape. It was okay, Satanic Panic era, you know, and it it was just okay, and they, they just they only have like two books coming out. I'm like, what happened? Are they are they imploding?
0: <laughs> I mean, let's, let's take a look at the, the dozen comics I've got in this area. And let's exclude for the moment Money More from Power Rangers, which is issue 105. Yep. And granted, they had to split to different titles to get that far. Walking Dead Deluxe, which is both technically a reprint title, but it's 56 and 57 for issue numbers. Yeah. The next highest issue number I have is Time Before Time with 20. Yeah. Everything else is issue four or lower. You want to know what I
1: looking at mine now? One, two, one, one, two. Yeah, four, five. The highest number I have is issue eleven. With what's the furthest place from here? And I don't know how much longer that title has to go.
0: Things can't stick around on the reading list if they don't stick around.
1: And then if you don't see something that you really like, it it's just gone. Less yeah. to read.
0: Well, I got the final issue of Erratic, final issue of The Ones, final issue of Saga of the Doomed Universe. One issue shy of the end of Inferno Girl, Red Book One. So uh, that and Space Jobs, one of four, I think. So
1: that's like six titles, and I guarantee you probably didn't find six new books to put on your list. No. So you're gonna have even less. It's just it's it's attrition
0: on the title side,
1: and, and not to make light of it, but that makes sense because I have a feeling we're, we we left the era of free money <laughs> and and zero interest to we're moving to a different era and I think a lot of people who were buying stuff just to collect it and flip it and do stuff like that that that's starting to end and now how many titles are really good and those are fewer and further between. Yeah. And and the real readers were not there for the flipping and the covers and this and that. So you better have something really good for us to read.
0: Yeah, I think whatever grace period there was on some titles is over. Yeah. And at least for me it is. And I think it was always that way for some readers. Certainly. Yeah. Some were definitely if they don't like it, they they drop it and never come back. But I think we're at a point now where the publishers are having that kind of an attitude because if I look at if I look at my Marvel stuff from this month, Avengers is sixty five. Yep. The next highest issue number I have, I think, was that Wolverine thirty. Yep. Amazing Spider Man was up to nineteen and twenty. X Men's at nineteen. Yeah. Th- the Captain Americas are at 9 and 10. Everything else other than Avengers Forever 14, which is the final issue, everything else is, I think, 5 or less for an issue number. Yeah,
1: I would agree. The, the only thing that I'm getting that you're not that's high, higher numbered is Thor. And it's to me, that feels like it's only a matter of time before it gets rebooted.
0: I mean, I, I talked a lot when I was doing the, the number crunching and stuff on how sales were such that it's like, this is a problem. And people are like, oh, but the sales are up. It's great. Like, we're getting to a point of a growing forest of dying trees, at which point the the trees, the individual titles, don't last long enough to sustain either themselves or spawn new trees, and you get a a, a growing forest of of literally dying trees, at which point you're going to hit a point where, poof, forest is gone. And for me, it's a matter of these titles where they would go long enough and have three or four spinoffs or whatever, great, now that's not happening. Now most of the titles I at least I'm getting over at Marvel and if I scroll over to to DC a little bit less so cuz you've got a few perennials like action and uh Flash and Wonder Woman at least in the numbering and Detective again a lot of those are are mini series as well too
1: Yeah no it's it's true and I uh, I mean to your point like Nightwings up to 101 but I I still I have like Superman just got renumbered Yeah Batman versus Robin five. I mean, there's still a lot of low numbers and bat and Flash. It got renumbered. It just got renumbered back to its old number.
0: Yeah, it took multiple there some, multiple volumes to get to that number.
1: Exactly, because there was some ones and twos, and I, I remember reading them. And the same thing with uh, Wonder Woman. You know, they they reverted back to their old number. It wasn't like a straight run, but at least Batman's up to one thirty two.
0: But it wouldn't surprise me if in a few months, Flash and Wonder Woman potentially go from 800 to a new number one.
1: I could see that happening. I, I, marketing is
0: probably going to do that. Because it wouldn't surprise me if that's around the time The Dawn of DC hits those titles.
1: Yep. It, it makes sense. I mean, not, not necessarily that you'll like it, but it makes complete
0: and perfect sense. It's very plausible at the very least. Yeah. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. But either way, these things... They can't keep me for the long term if they're not published for the long term.
1: No, and it seems like Marvel, and I think DC too, but especially Marvel, they're they're liking to go to this five-issue miniseries model, which is great for a trade, and it's great for not seeing diminishing return or you know drop off on the numbers, but ultimately, it just creates so much churn that I I feel like, yeah, you're going to wear out readers, and they're not going to be – they're going to be dipping their toes in and out more and more to where Before you know it, you're taking a break and you're just getting the three favorites that you've always gotten versus getting 15 titles that you used to get.
0: I think this is why DC left Diamond a few years ago and spun up a new distributor. Really? They were afraid that – potentially – that if people got out of the habit of reading comics, they wouldn't get back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a very real
1: fear. I think it's very real too. Man, I hate to be in on a downer, but I – I feel like like th- our this podcast you you have. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's moving to a back issue spotlight centric podcast in the future.
0: Well, it has been for a while. First off, because we've been doing just monthly comic spotlight versus weekly, but also my reading has diminished over the last few years of new material. Now that, but also I,
1: I, I could see a lot of this stuff petering out to the point where there's not enough to have a monthly spotlight. You know. Where I, I don't know if I I I could see DC just saying, "Hey, we're going to this digital only," or we're going to this, or Marvel saying, "Hey, we're going this route." It doesn't make sense for us. I, I don't know, and I'm not hoping that happens, but I have a feeling someone's going to pull, you know, drop a shoe at some point. It certainly has that potential. It, it feels like it. I'm like, eh, eh. the 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 hobby may change based on no part of. You know, not my action, but I think the hobby may change just based on the industry what it's going to do.
0: Well, I think we've seen some some definite shifts over the last few years. I would say the biggest seismic shift in comics of recent years was around the time of the New Fifty Two, and yeah. it wasn't the reboot; it was DC's decision to go day and date digital. Yeah, that took digital comics from a yeah, it's coming to it's here. Mm-hmm. That I think fundamentally shifted the game. It's allowed for things such as Marvel and DC's subscription services. Now, I don't think they can sustain new material based on those, but there is the possibility where for some reason, the direct market isn't sustainable, which I think it still is, but I don't know. I haven't seen sales numbers for a good couple of years. They could decide to to just say, well, we've, we've got the, the online venues. Let's go with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I could definitely see that. I mean, not that I want it. It just feels like it's coming.
0: They tested the waters with that and some things only going digital only or to trade, but not in individual issues at the start of the pandemic.
1: Yep. I remember. So. All
0: right. So we've got some questions. I think we're going to call this an episode and come back for the questions on the Friday episode. That work? Yeah, that works for me. Cool. Recording clips for the previous Spotlight episodes is easy and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the Preview Spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the ComicBookPage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next Preview Spotlight.